Well, welcome to Summit Church. We're so glad you're here. And if you're joining us online, we're glad you're here as well. And we are in December officially, everyone. You can start shopping now. How many of you are already done shopping? Oh, a lot of you. Uh, show-offs there, show-offs. I like to go on the 24th because then the selection is narrow and it's easy to pick out something for people, right? Well, we are in the season of Advent, and Advent simply means the arrival, right? And there's nothing more special than arrival of a baby, and that's what the Christmas season is all about. And Christmas is not a day, it is a season. And as I'm thinking about Advent, I can't help but be reminded that we just had the advent of a baby, a new baby in our family. Not Teresa and I, but a grandbaby, right? A grandbaby. We have little Maxwell, seven pounds, eight ounces, was born. He's so cute. Max is perfect name for him because he has maximal cuteness. So, uh, but we are in a, a new series, a new season, and this is the season of Christmas. And it's funny, I, I have heard about Pastor Chris's uh, his legendary obsession with Christmas. Now, you guys are all here, but this is my first Christmas here, so I just heard about it. Now I get to experience it. Christmas in his household starts on November 1st, right? And uh, Thanksgiving is a mere interruption, a distraction from the main event of Christmas. But we have our own Christmas tradi traditions in our family. We actually get together every Christmas Eve. My parents are still alive, 93 years old. And yeah, come on. Uh, but they have had Christmas Eve at their house for 93 years. It's all I've ever known. There's been a few years I, I haven't been there. I've moved away. Or I remember one year there was a blizzard that came to town, and I didn't get there till after midnight because I was up, up skiing. And, uh, but, but we always try to get together on Christmas Eve. It became hard during COVID back in 2020. Uh, I remember we had to cancel, but we ended up having Christmas in July which was awesome, except you cannot find eggnog in July, I discovered. But uh, we all have traditions, but unfortunately, sometimes Christmas can be a difficult season for many people, right? The, you have the seasonal depression that comes on, right? right the sun goes down, the stress comes up, and uh, four out of five people that experience depression during this time are women, so guys, just be patient if your wife has that uh, problem. But uh, we understand that Christmas means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And we want to talk about something we all need. It doesn't matter if things are going well in your life or things are not going so well. We all need hope. And we're starting a new series called The Thrill of Hope. And this is going to culminate on December 24th. We were talking about the service this last week, and I am so excited. You guys are going to love it. You're going to want to be here. Bring your family and friends. I hope you make it. See what I did there? We use the word hope a lot around. Yeah, I'm sorry. I am a dad. I do dad jokes. But um, we uh, have a wonderful series coming up for you, and you won't want to miss one of them. But we use the word hope a lot. Uh, we say things like, you know, I hope things get better. I hope this relationship works out. I hope I get a raise. I hope I win the lottery. Everybody, any, anybody ever hope to win the lottery, right? I remember uh, I worked for a company one time, and the boss, whenever it would get to, into the hundreds of millions, he would buy a, a ticket, and he would say, I'll split it with all of you. I knew he was lying, but anyway. Uh, the reality is we all need hope, and hope is really probably one of the number one things we think about during the holiday season. 
And hope goes all the way back into the Old Testament when people were looking forward to something special happening. Uh, one of those chapters in Isaiah where he talks about the coming Messiah, kind of leading up to it, he shares something that's going on. It kind of helps us understand the foundation for our need for hope. And it's found in Isaiah 9, verse 2. It says this, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And we see two things compared there, darkness and light. And we understand when we're feeling hopeless, it kind of feels like darkness to us. I remember one time when I was very young, we went to Carlsbad Caverns. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but it's really cool. You get to go way down inside of this mountain, and, the, and there are beautiful caverns, and there's stalactites and stalagmites. And I remember the, the tour guide that we were with took us into this one chamber, and he said, we are far enough under the mountain now to where if we turn off all the lights, there's no natural light that can reach this area. And so he turned off the lights for us, and we did every single person in that room, I guarantee you did the same thing, and you would do it too. You stick your hand in front of your face. I can't even see my hand. Of course you can't. There's no light. You need light to see, right? But the longer the lights are off, the more your anxiety begins to go up. Because you look up and you see nothing. You look down, you see nothing. You look side to side, you see nothing. In fact, you're just assuming you're looking up or down. You don't know where you are. Darkness feels like that. And when we're experiencing darkness, we need hope. We need hope. And God understands that. He began to, to tell Isaiah and the people of Israel that they had hope. You know, I was uh, doing some research for this message, and one of the things I did in order to research was to watch Star Wars. You know, it's, uh, I'm a good pastor, so I do good research. So I was watching the original Star Wars. The, the, remember the title of that movie, A New Hope? And the famous scene where Leia is, is being attacked by Darth Vader and his forces have stormed her ship and she's got this little R2-D2 unit and she reaches down, she puts a message in there and she says, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, right? Except she wore a dress and was a girl and was much more beautiful than me. But anyway, you get the picture, right? And, and then the R2 unit went off and we realized that the reality was that Obi-Wan Kenobi wasn't her hope. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this old movie, this 45-year-old movie, the hope was actually Luke Skywalker, this young, whiny guy who was going to raise up and fight against uh, Darth Vader and everything evil. But there's a sense in which we understand the darkness we experience in this world is palpable. We feel it. The world is not as it should be. We know that. We, we feel the stress and the tension, even in America, which is one of the greatest nations on earth, we feel the tension in our own culture. If you were in another uh, place, in another part of the world, you'd feel it even more. I met a young man from the Ukraine. He was a, uh, a high school guy who was in an internship program, and I got to talking to him a little bit. And he didn't plan on being in the internship program. He had come over here for a brief stay, and during his stay, war broke out. And he couldn't go back home. He was feeling the darkness of this world. So in this world we live in, whether things are going great for you or things are tough for you right now, we all need hope. If things are going good, you want them to stay that way. You're hoping they'll stay that way. But what we need is a biblical hope, a biblical understanding of what hope truly is. Hope is a confident expectation 
of a promised future or a confident expectation of a promised person. And hope, we operate on hope all the time. I recently, Teresa and I went to North Carolina and we got on an airplane. And I gotta be honest with you, I was hoping we made it. I, we, we, we had a ticket and it said, we're gonna get there and it told us the time we were gonna land. So I got on the plane with the hope that we wouldn't crash. Now, I don't know about you guys, do you ever, do you ever pray when you get on a plane, you're about to take off? We do this all the time, we pray, we, I've heard people say this, Pray for me for traveling mercies because there's a lot of bad things that can happen while you're traveling, right? So I got on that plane with the hopes that I would get there. But it was a confident hope. Do planes crash? Yes. But I was confident the plane I was getting on was not going to crash. That's for other people's planes to do. My plane was getting to its destination. None of us would ever get on a plane if we thought it was going to crash. That's what confident hope looks like. So I need hope. We're going to talk about three things that we need it for this morning. I need hope, number one, to change my perspective. See, we have a tendency to focus on kind of the negative. I know some of you are probably very good at this. Maybe you can find the bad in any good, right? But we tend to do that anyway. And when we focus on the negative things, we have the wrong perspective on things. Nelson Mandela said this, and I love it. He said, may your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. You see, we act on what we believe, and if we're not operating in hope, then our perspective is off, and what we do will be off. We desperately need it, but there's obstacles that get in our way. You know, sometimes things happen to us, like we begin to think that the world is as good as it's ever going to be, or it was good when I was young. You know, we call that generational bias. You know how things were better when we were younger? Remember the good old days? Life was simpler back then. Things were just better. What's wrong with this younger generation these days? You know, they come along and they just don't get it. They don't work as hard as we did. They don't do as much as we did. And it's as if we think that this new generation arrived from space somehow and we have no culpability in who they are, right? But the younger generation's going, I can't wait till this old, older generation goes, you know, gets, passes on or gets out of the way so we can fix all the problems they've caused. Right, right, we tend to focus on the negative. Or if you just listen to the news, there's far more negative news out there than there is positive. And so you, if you're watching the news all the time, you're getting a steady diet of negativity. We've got enough problems of our own. Our own life circumstances sometimes cause us to, to be hopeless. Because we look at the negative things that are going on in our life rather than the positive things that God is doing right in the middle of it. Paul knew the power of hope in our lives. He said this in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. See, he understands not everybody gets this. So he's praying, please God, let them see this. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. There is a hope, there's a certainty to which you've been called that's far different than the world offers. It's the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So if you're one of his holy people, you have an inheritance. In fact, Jesus said this, in my father's house are many mansions, right? I go to prepare a place for you. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are filthy rich. You just haven't inherited it yet. But 
you are not just rich in wealth. You're rich in relationship. You're rich in your relationship with him and each other. There are so many things that go with the inheritance that God gives us. But he goes on. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, now he's going to give you a demonstration of what that exactly is. That power that's inside of you right now, it's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. You have resurrection power flowing through you. That's the hope you have. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. What he's saying is, you guys should have hope. You have no idea what you have. When you're focusing on the negative, you have the wrong perspective. Because you've got a hope that not only you have a great future, but you have power right now. You have power to affect change in the world right now. Hope is literally good for you. They did a study of 13,000 adults aged 66 and older, and they found that they were, uh, by and large, healthier than the average population. They were also uh, better at having relationships. They also lived longer. Hope helps you in the area of, uh, of work. Did you know that you're more productive if you're hopeful? You do an average of 15% more than other people who are not as hopeful. So if you're an employer, hire hopeful people. You'll get an extra day out of every seven days. They also found that hope helps your academic achievement. They said hope is more important than positive academic achievement than your intelligence or even past academic, it's easier for me to say, academic achievement. Basically, Hope stirs us to be better versions of ourselves. Hope helps me to believe the seemingly impossible. It helps me to defy the odds. It helps me to move mountains. Hope helps me to change lives, to face uncertainty, to heal from past hurts. Hope helps me to make it through another day and another day and another day and to wake up and say thank you, God, for a new day. Hope helps me to see the impossible as possible, to heal the broken, brokenhearted. There's just something about hope that is somewhat illogical. It doesn't make sense to our rational minds, but in our hearts we know there's a way through when our minds is saying there's not. I need hope to change my perspective. But the next thing is more powerful, is I need hope to move me into action because hope is an action word. Hope is moving us in a direction. Hope is not just something we have to sit with. Hope does something in our hearts. It changes where we're going. It says this in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. Hope, or excuse me, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. See, faith and hope are, uh, are, are locked together. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. This chapter, chapter 11, goes person after person after person after person who did something. They did something based on the faith they had, but the hope moved them into action. See, hope and faith work together. Remember I told you before, hope got me on the plane, but the faith, that's what gave me the, the confidence to take that first step. I had faith in the, in the pilot. I had faith that he knew what he was doing. I had faith that the airplane was structurally sound. I had faith that they had a good ground crew that was taking care of it. I had faith that we had good flight attendants. I had a lot of faith before I took that first step of hope to get me on the plane. 
When we take faith in someone and we combine that with hope, we begin to move forward and take action. Jeremiah knew the power of this. He said this, Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. He said, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. So, first of all, you've got to understand something. He's saying something to a people who have just been taken captive. And so he's saying, listen, here's, I know an army took you captive, but the, the God of heaven's armies, he's about to speak. This is what he wants to say to you, all of you. Build homes and plan to stay. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens. Eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. All the grandparents said amen, right? <laughs> Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I think we could take that today, couldn't we? There's a sense in which none of us are where we should be. I don't care where you live in the world. We're all captives in a way, in a world system that's not as it should be. And we are called to pray for where we are, to make a home where we are, to be God's people, to bring God's kingdom to where we are. If we don't have hope, who's going to have hope? Amen? There's a... Uh, Great story. I love this guy. Don Brewster is a, uh, he, he's a missionary, but he used to be a pastor locally here in Rockland. John Brewster was pastor at Adventure Church, and he did something somewhat small that a lot of us have done. He went on a mission trip. That's not a small thing. It's a big deal, right? He went overseas, went to Cambodia, and uh, he was working with some missionaries. And when you go on a mission trip, you get to help the missionary. You get to see what's going on in the culture. You actually get to, to help impact the people that are in that mission field that they're working with. And so it's very encouraging, uh, not only to the people in the field, but to the people that go. And so Don Brewster went on this mission trip, and he came back, but he was wrecked. Because what he saw over there, he, he didn't know what to do. He knew there was so much darkness. There was a town called Zvipak that 100% of the girls in that town were, were trafficked sexually. It's horrific. And he just couldn't go back to his old lifestyle as a pastor. And so he quit. And he got some people, some donors who had money, who wanted to make an impact over there to give money. And he knew the first thing he needed to do was to go over there and to get a house so that these girls could come out of that trafficking situation, have a place to land and to be healed. And so he went over there, he, he built this house, he started working and talking to women, you don't have to do this, and got them out of the trafficking. And, and he made an impact, but as hard as he tried, he realized I'm not making the impact I need to make because I've got people that are exploiting them, I need to work on them, the pimps, the traffickers. And there was one thing these guys all had in common. They loved kickboxing. And so he got this Christian kickboxer, national champion, to go over there and start teaching kickboxing lessons. And these guys came, and they built relationships with these guys, and they showed these guys a better way. And some of these guys became professional kickboxers. And then these guys got on TV, and they would use their influence to say, don't do what I used to do. They began to change, to change the impact of what was going on. Today, there's nobody in that town that's exploited. 100% of the girls are, are, yeah, that's phenomenal, right? 
Little things become big things when we begin to act in hope. Do you know hospitals started with Christians? Just a, a few hundred years after Christ, the church, when people got sick, they would go away. They would get out of town, quarantine. But Christians started feeling a heart for these people to say, rather than go out of town, why don't you just come to my house? And pretty soon somebody felt like this should be a ministry. So they would invite multiple sick people to their houses. Then it was known, hey, if, if you're sick, go to Susie's house. This is an example, not our Susie here. But anyway, <clears throat> if you're sick, go, go to this house and they'll take care of you. And pretty soon more and more houses opened up and more and more people were being taken care of when they were sick. Hospital comes from the word hospitality. That started because somebody was moved by hope to begin alleviating somebody else's suffering. You know, we, we read about Convoy of Hope, by the way, this shirt is a Convoy of Hope shirt. That's why we're wearing these. Uh, Love thy neighbor. Convoy of Hope started, I think guy's name is Don Harrelson, uh, when his dad was killed uh, tragically in a car accident. And there was just this outpouring of love and hope that just touched his heart. And that became the impetus for Convoy of Hope, of alleviating suffering and helping people and showing kindness and showing Christ's love in a world of darkness. That's why we're doing this, these hope trees. We're encouraging you to take these off and go do something. There's already been some great stories because when we're acting in hope, lives change. Not just ours, but others around us. There's no such thing as something too small. So this is a, a verse I'm going to read in a moment. It's on some of your walls. It might be on your refrigerator, in your bedroom, but uh, it's in Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11 I'm going to read. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. The people he was talking to about making homes, he's saying you're going to be here 70 years. If you're 40 years old, you're never, you're never leaving Babylon, right? But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You see, we sometimes want to be taken out of our circumstances, but sometimes what God wants is to exhibit hope right in the middle of them. Because we are not playing a short game, we're playing a long game. We are part of something bigger than the role we play. And so it's important for each and every one of us to demonstrate the hope that Christ brings to us. I need hope to change my perspective, to move me into action. Thirdly, I need hope to understand God's heart. Because you see, this is not just about us. This is not just about, I need hope. There's a God on the other side of this equation that knows what's going on in our lives. There's a guy... On a God on the other side of this equation that knows more suffering and more pain than we will ever be experienced to. And we see some of that come out in Scripture. Uh, Matthew 23, 37, Jesus is going into Jerusalem. His own people, his own town, not a foreign nation, his own city, he's going there and this is what he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. You see, he has a heart 
for the world that we live in. He wants us to experience hope and not hopelessness. It says this in Romans 15.4. Teresa and I read this week in our devotion, Romans 15. <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you, after reading the chapter, we were hopeful. Our mood literally changed by reading this. And this is the verse. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's why the Bible is here for us. It's to help us understand that we're not in this alone. We have a partner in ministry. We have somebody who's working with us. He's offering us hope because he is certain and sure. He's confident in our future, but he knows what he wants to do now. And we can take hope in that, just like they did in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And finally... Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, this is where it all comes from, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, our hope can become confident hope when we're tapped into the power of God. And our lives can begin to have a ripple effect of hope with those around us. The little acts that we do, the little ministries we think are just small things can be huge things in other people's lives. I got uh, the privilege to be a pastor in Santa Rosa for a couple of years and there was this sweet lady, every church has a person like this. Her name was Grace, such a perfect name for her. And Grace loved ministering to the homeless. And at our church, we had uh, a partnership with the local gospel mission and they had a, a mobile shower that would come once a week to our campus and the homeless could come and get a shower. It just helps you feel rejuvenated new. And, and we would uh, give them a meal and engage them in conversation, treat them like people. And <clears throat> Grace was faithful. She did it for years. Every time you'd see her, she'd be preparing the meals. Hey, pastor, it's a praise God. It's such a good day. She was so filled with hope. And she would go out there and just be every homeless person's bestie that walked in the door. And a part of that ministry, we would also once a month, a lot of our churches would do this, 30 of our churches, we would have the homeless during the winter spend the night. Put them in different rooms. We have chaperones and, and just get them off the cold streets. And Grace would always be there serving, doing that too. Just bringing hope. And on Christmas Eve, it happened to be our turn. And so the homeless people, there are probably about 30 of them there. We invite them to Christmas Eve service. So 22 of them came. And one of the guys that had been coming to that Thursday shower ministry, who got invited to the staying the night ministry and got invited to our service, came to the service. He had a very sad story. He had drug addiction. He had dysfunctional family, dysfunctional past. He was alienated from his family, from his, his son that he had. But he loved coming to our church. He loved engaging with, with grace. And on Christmas Eve, he heard the story of ultimate hope. And he decided he wanted to raise his hand give his life to Christ. 
He's still on the street, still in darkness, but he knew there was, there was some light now for the first time. And his life slowly began to change. He, he began to get, get some uh, income coming in. He, he was able to get off the street. And he even reconciled with his son. And it was my honor to get to baptize him as the very first baptism we had coming out of COVID. During COVID, we couldn't, you know, get near each other. And once we opened back up, he was the very first one. And there was Grace sitting on the front row, cheering him on. You know, little things happen in our lives that we maybe just discount. But when we're living lives of hope, you will never know the impact you're having on someone around you just encourage you this holiday season, change your perspective and move into action and do something small. It doesn't have to become something huge, but sometimes it does. And bring some of that hope that people in this dark world need. We have it for them. But some of you this morning may have never taking that step of faith. Maybe you need hope this morning like never before and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never trusted in someone who truly understands you and has a hope and a future for you. And I'll give you a moment, uh, in a moment, an opportunity to take that step of faith. But I know some of you right now came in here kind of feeling hopeless. I think it's normal. We all experience that sometimes. But we can walk out of here with hope just means believing the truth of what God has told us today. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that in this dark world where things are not as they should be, we have a God who's partnering with us, that you know our circumstances, you know other circumstances, and you you bring healing and help and hope into our worlds, into our circumstances. Lord, and in turn, you use us to bring hope to others. But I know, Lord, there's, there's sometimes people who've been trying to do it on their own, who have put their hope in so many different things that have let them down, and it's just left them feeling hopeless. And this morning, there may be some here right now that, that want to turn that around and want to put their hope in something that cannot be taken from them. And if you're here this morning and you've never made that step of faith to say, Jesus, I trust you. I want to follow you. I want to become like Hans. I just want to forget about the things I've been hoping in and put my hope in you. You can do that right now by just saying, Jesus, come into my life. I give my life and my heart to you just want to pray for some others of you who have come in here just feeling down and I'm sure there is good reason but God wants you to know right now the quietness of this moment that he is your hope and that he wants to provide hope to you today your circumstances may be difficult, but He's going to be your hope in them. He's going to use your circumstances to bring hope to others. And He's going to use your outlook and your desires 
God, help us all to be that light that you've left us here to be, to bring hope into this dark world. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.